Hello, you're listening to CJLO 1690 AM. This is our weekly news roundup. I'm on the program with Katie Brady, as always. Hello, hello. How is the reporting t- this week, uh, Katie? Good. The news is picking up again after the holidays. Uh, got out in the community, went to the round table with the NDG council. That was uh, uh, really insightful for my next couple months of reporting. Uh, yeah, what, what's new in news? A lot of politics this week. Yeah. Uh, ICJ rate ruling today. Yeah. Yep. Uh more FAE unions rejected the offer. Yep. There was a homicide overnight. I did not see that. Uh, yeah. Wow. Those yeah. are a lot of news this week. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about your reporting. Uh, I understand we're about to listen to a pack about Muslim Awareness Week. Yep. It started yesterday, and uh, Muslim Awareness Week um, started uh, six years ago to commemorate uh, the six victims. Uh, and I think 19 injured at the Quebec City mosque attack uh, in 2017. Um, so there's a bunch of volunteers, and they, um, so far they're holding events in Montreal, Quebec City, I think Gatineau, Brassard, um, and they're doing a lot of um, sort of roundtable talks. Um, there's art exhibits, photo exhibits, music. Uh, they got a lot on the go this week, and that's all ahead of... Uh, uh, the vigils, which will mark the day of the mosque attack on the 29th. Let's check out this pack that you've uh, assembled for us. And it just said it all. All Canadian citizens have rights and duties. And as Canadian Muslims, we also have duties. The 6th Annual Muslim Awareness Week launched this Thursday at City Hall in Montreal. Commemorating the six lives lost and 19 injured, Muslim Awareness Week is a week of solidarity and exchange with a wide variety of activities. Salam al-Musawi is one of the co-founders. He told CJLO a bit about how the commemorative events promote inclusivity and build community. Shed some light on uh, on Muslims, their uh, uh, contributions, challenges, and concerns in Quebec, uh, and also to offer a space uh, within from these uh, uh, diverse and rich activities, offer some space for dialogue between Muslim Quebecers and uh, their brothers and sisters in humanity dialogue uh, with uh, mutual respect, of course. Al-Musawi says the volunteers behind Muslim Awareness Week are ambitious in their vision for the future of the week-long event. They hope to expand beyond major cities and have events to mark the mosque attack and promote dialogue in more rural areas. Al-Musawi notes that Islamophobia is still on the rise since the 2017 mosque attack. He says these commemorations can bring a sense of belonging and security to many in the Muslim community. See the governments, uh, the different levels of governments on top of the ordinary citizens getting involved in such uh, initiatives. Uh, they, they feel they, are, they belong to uh, these areas. They feel a little bit out of the uh, exclusivity. Uh, that's being portrayed. Uh, you can view the complete calendar of events ahead of the vigils at McGill and Park Metro on the 29th on the web at ssm-maw.com. For the full interview with Salam Al-Musawi, 
Find CJLO's weekly news roundup on Spotify or head to frequencynews.ca and search for Muslim Awareness Week. So um, that was a great pack. I think we're going to about to air that full interview right now. Is yep. that correct? Yep. And uh, you'll hear uh, a bit more about some events uh, on our side of town uh, in NDG and Cote d'Ange. All right. Here we go. Right. So, uh, first of all, thank you very much for uh, having us, uh, given us the opportunity to speak to you. Uh, uh, so, basically, seven years ago, as you know, uh, the there was an attack on Quebec City Mosque on 29th of January 2017, and uh, the attacker was uh, mainly uh, like he performed his action mainly because of ignorance, uh, not understanding Muslims uh, and looking at them as strangers or as a threat. Uh, there's a fear from the unknown, let's say. So we. Uh, group of activists in Montreal and uh, uh, surrounding area. As we sat together, we said we have to do something about this and we came with this idea of uh, uh, or this initiative of doing the Muslim Awareness Week on the same week that uh, coincides with the anniversary, the 25th of January to 31st. So yearly we try to organize uh, as much events as we can with our partners uh, try to have mostly partners to do the uh, organization, but uh, we end up uh, actually doing a lot of that too because uh, we know more about uh, the situation. So uh, it's about, uh, this is the sixth anniversary for us. We started the year after. So this is our sixth edition of Muslim Awareness Week this year. And we do more or less 20 events within one week. So it's a pretty uh, condensed week uh, of activities, but uh, the main goal is to uh, shed some light on uh, on Muslims, their uh, uh, contributions, challenges, and concerns in Quebec. Uh, and also to offer a space uh, within from these uh, uh, diverse and rich activities offer some space for dialogue between Muslim Quebecers and uh, their brothers and sisters in humanity. A dialogue uh, with uh, mutual respect, of course. And you know, the dialogue uh, builds, helps building bridges between communities, and we think it's our best defense against discrimination and hate. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel the events? Um at the mosque tragedy in Quebec have impacted the Canadian Muslim community and the and non-Muslim Canadians over the past seven years. What what have you seen? I mean, uh, it's uh, I mean what we saw in in uh, Quebec City unfortunately happened uh, uh, also in Ontario and other parts of the country. Uh, we have Islamophobia and the rise, and with the current uh, tense condition and conflict in the Middle East, uh, of course, it uh, has, uh, I don't know, maybe it's 700 times more uh, Islamophobic uh, incidents have been reported, according to some statistics. So, uh, 
Unfortunately, it's still going and we have a lot of challenges. And again, as we said, we are a small group of uh, volunteers who are working on this and uh, we need the cooperation of uh, more partners, more governmental institutions. And, and we have some good partners who are stepping in and that's what will eventually make the difference. The participation of uh, a wider range of institutions, uh, whether governmental or uh, whatnot and individuals from all the re religions uh, we our events are uh, if you I don't know if you have seen our website but you can see we have some events at the uh, churches and the past we have at synagogues and community centers etc uh, it, it's, it's a, a wide range of activities uh, cultural artistic uh, humanitarian uh, discussions round tables and so on and so forth mm -hmm. how, <coughs> excuse me how um how has the response been um and the participation been like as the years go, go on have there been um any moments that have stood out to you uh, in terms of uh, i don't know particularly uh memorable uh, connections you've made or uh particularly touching events you've had uh what moments stand out for you over those, those last years uh as the years progress um we found out that uh uh, the more uh, openness or the more events that we do and open dialogues that we do t take place and we, we uh, attract more diverse communities from different religions, from non-religious people, from different types of uh, orientations, uh, uh, whether uh, uh, religious, uh, multicultural, uh, all types. We we have uh, today. We had our launch event at uh, City Hall uh, with again multiple speakers representing uh, Jewish speaker, Muslim speaker, and uh, diverse. Uh, uh, yes, well, yes, di I, diverse. Um, I watched the. Um, I I had to watch online, but I watched the event earlier yeah. at City Hall, and uh, I see there's a lot of really. Yeah, like you said, um, so many, there, there's the round table tonight in Cote d'Azurci and a lot of artistic celebrations, um, a lot of really good events here right. for, for the communities to get involved in all across Montreal as well. Um, how do you see Muslim Awareness Week evolving in the coming years? What, what are your next goals? Where would you, where would you like to see this, um, this commemorative sort of movement um, um, go? What's next? Well, we would like to, uh, we are ambitious to see it uh, going to uh, multiple cities outside of main cities uh, and urban areas. We, we succeeded in penetrating some remote uh, cities, but not uh, to the extent that we are looking for. So we hope one day we can have it as a part of the uh, normal uh, citizens' life everywhere, so that at least, especially in the remote areas where people are not very well exposed to Muslims and uh, they don't know, uh, they, they hear about them only from the mainstream media. So they have some uh, unknown uh, people that they hear about and they, and they always hear about in the media. It's unfortunately, many times we focus on issues and problems. So the concern, the conflict in the Middle East, uh, it's always a negative image is being portrayed. So without having some uh, 
uh, event that get people together so that they at least sit a Muslim and a non-Muslim Quebecer sit together, discuss and they, they will eventually see that they are exactly like them. They have their similar aspirations, achievements, and concerns being in Quebec. So that will help in having a more uh, stable environment, more peaceful, more uh, inclusive. Uh, so this is our ultimate goal. And commemorations um, uh, such as uh, the week we have here, do you think this brings a sense of uh, security to Muslim Canadians after these uh, several tragic events we've had in recent years? Um, does it help foster a sense of belonging? Um, do you, specifically from the Muslim community, do you find people take a lot of comfort in, in movements like this? Uh, very well, for sure. I mean, they when they see the government, uh, the different levels of governments on top of the ordinary citizens, getting involved in such uh, initiatives, uh, they they feel they are they belong to uh, these areas. They feel a little bit out of the uh, exclusivity uh, that's being portrayed uh, in in in, in uh, some tragic events. That's why. Uh, it, it helps a lot when th these kinds of activities are uh, uh, shown or uh, uh, displayed in different media outlets. Uh, it, this is the great role of the media, such as what you are doing right now. You are offering our uh, listeners to at least uh, have a, some vision from the organizers and founders of such initiative activities. Well, at CJLO, we, uh, we really appreciate hearing straight from the community members. And um, uh, for, for listeners who are interested in participating um, over the coming week, uh, particularly in the West End, um, I know there's the roundtable tonight in Cote d'Ange. Are there any other NDG Cote d'Ange events that stick out to you I might want to mention for our viewers? And uh, in, in which area? Sorry, I in, just got to. or Cote d'Ange? Yeah. Yeah, there is a to, uh, tonight at 6.30, there will be a roundtable discussion between uh, writers of uh, Muslim uh, origin. Uh, they will talk about uh, writing and identity uh, from Muslim perspectives. It's going to be at 6767 Codinage, uh, and as also on uh, uh, Saturday, and right now I am at the uh, Moroccan Cultural Center and at uh, 515, uh, in, uh, 515 uh, BJ Street in collaboration with the Iraqi Community Center, uh, which is centered in Kodin. We are having a painting and arts exhibition by Muslim artists. Uh, on Saturday, also, the Iraqi Community Center is uh, organizing at the same place uh, a, fa a fashion show as well as uh, some folkloric songs. There will be a, an Iraqi band will be playing and singing at, at the Moroccan Center on Saturday at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, let everyone know about those ones for sure um finally just is there a message or anything you'd like to leave our listeners with today that i haven't touched on yet uh maybe for people who are just first learning about muslim awareness week for the first time yes 
Yes, it is uh, this week again. It's a week of uh, getting to know one another. It's important to have this dialogue between Muslims and uh, non-Muslims in Quebec. This year's uh, theme is forging closer ties to help defend against uh, Islamophobia. So the activities are centered about that. Uh, another message is one of the main events that we do is uh, uh, donating blood. So unfortunately, the assailant seven years ago, he, he spilled the blood of six brothers that we lost and plus other many injured, uh, including the permanently paralyzed Ayman Dirbali. Uh, we give blood, we as Muslim Quebecers, we give blood, we give blood, we give life. So, you know, each person who donates a blood, one liter of blood can, can uh, survive three other persons. So three other persons can live because of this one single donator. So we are expanding our blood donation in collaboration with Hema Quebec this year at three centers in Kirkland, uh, in the East End, in Place Versailles, and at Laval. So three locations that belong to Hema Quebec are advertising our efforts and our community is participating generously and going to these centers. So we, we, we want to have uh, a better Quebec, a better Canadian society, a better uh, Montreal we live in. This that cannot happen without our continuous collaboration on anything that brings any initiative that brings people together that doesn't uh, cause any conflict. Yeah, that was a great interview, Katie. Yeah, it was really nice talking to him. And uh, I'll check out some events over the course of the week and uh, report back as well. Uh, our next pack is about home care and uh, some reports released by the Health and Wellness Commission. Uh, I spoke to a patient advocate as well. Um, the home care situation uh, is uh, it's really all tied in with the hospitals as well. There's not a lot of places for people to go. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's important to deal with these outside of the emergency room things. And uh, what they really stress, um, patient advocates and um, the commissioner, um, is about autonomy and people want to be treated at home. So we'll take a listen. Yeah, let's take a listen. Health and Wellness Commissioner Joanne Castonguay is worried about the state of home care in Quebec. The commission concluded a four-part series on aging well at home in a press conference Tuesday morning. Castonguay told reporters the current model is outdated and not well-equipped to serve the aging population. She says it's clear that Quebecers' first choice is to be treated at home whenever possible. Il est nécessaire de favoriser une dynamique de changement vers un système de soins et de services de soutien à domicile qui soit adapté aux besoins et aux attentes des usagers. Un système qui soit basé sur le maintien de l'autonomie. Paul Brunet, director of Conseil pour la protection des malades, told CJLO it's time the province stop planning and start doing. I'm fed up with strategies and global plans. I want action. People are suffering because they're not getting sufficient and adequate home care that they deserve. Can we work on that? Stop thinking, stop writing about strategies. Do the job. Render the appropriate services to our population. 
Vernay says the inaccessibility of home care can be felt by everyone who uses the health system. We all know now that between 25 and 50 percent of people waiting in the emergency ward are, are elders who could have been seen and should be treated at home through adequate professional home care, including the visit of doctors. You're listening to CJLO 1690. That was Katie Brady with a report about the ongoing uh, home care situation in Quebec. Healthcare system situation in Quebec. Uh, our next interview is with the Quebec Solidar uh, immigration critic. Uh, we talked about uh, a lot of issues that have been in the headlines this week. Uh, so here is Guillaume Clich Rivard. And uh, my yes. first question is um, about Premier Legault's letter uh, last week. Do you think he was right to send this to Trudeau? Was was now the right time or was it perhaps too late? What do you think about that letter? Well, <clears throat> there are certain issues that, that, that needs to be discussed here, obviously. But what I'm hoping is that the Premier of Quebec is capable of taking the phone or having a discussion or a meeting or... Or, or finding solutions directly with uh, Mr. Trudeau and not necessarily doing op-eds and press conference to send a message. I mean, he's the premier of Quebec. He should be dealing and finding solutions with uh, Mr. Trudeau. And I find that his way of um, creating, you know, let's say, a, a new cycle around it and, and not having those meetings directly and not finding solutions directly is not is not very proactive and that's what he should be doing. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some people say that, um, you know, this is sort of on him for welcoming so many immigrants during the course of the pandemic and um, that maybe this is maybe a convenient time given our public sectors are so strained right now. Um, What do you think about this sort of, um, this sort of blaming of immigrants on um, things that are under under his management right now, I guess. <laughs> um, on, on Mr. Legault's blaming, uh, yeah. Or Mr. Trudeau. Yeah, Legault? I've heard some people say that this is the kind of stuff that just you know increases xenophobia, or you know that we would have these problems anyway, and it's not just about hmm. immigrants. Well, I mean, it's definitely not the immigrants that are the cause of the housing crisis. I mean, we've been having issues with regards to to housing and and services for a while due to uh, lack of public funding and and lack of of new houses being built, uh, for example, on that sphere. If we take this sphere and we look in Quebec regions, there are some Quebec regions and cities that mostly has no immigrants in it that still are facing a housing crisis. So... There is not a direct link, uh, though it's sure that newcomers are, are putting the pressure. That, that, that's for sure. I mean, if you have 200,000 uh, more uh, workers here in Quebec, there is a pressure on the on the housing system. However, those people were, were welcome. They were issued permits. They, they, they have uh, contracts. They're working. They're providing extremely important services. So it's very important to not neglect or forget this sphere of the debate. Uh, those newcomers, those immigrants, they're working in the public sphere. They are our nurses. Uh, they are our educators in school. They are uh, the, fir- farm- the, the, 
the, the, the people working in the fields to make sure that, that we get everything we need. So there, there's extremely important services that we're receiving and extremely important benefits that we are uh, receiving with immigrations and with immigration. And I feel that uh, putting the debate or having a debate without uh, properly evaluating all the positive outcome is unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And could you tell me just a bit more about what else you recommend in your letter that you posted on Facebook mm-hmm. about um, how how you how your your party recommends that we handle this issue right yes. now? So there is definitely. I mean, we we, we went from three hundred thousand to five hundred thirty thousand uh, uh, temporary immigrants uh, within two or three years. So this is a, an important increase. Um, now what we what we lack is formal data. We need some data to make sure and to assess uh, where they're going and what's uh, finally on a scientific base. What's Quebec capacity or welcoming capacity to make sure and to 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 keep politics out of it and having expert demographics, economists making sure to establish how many immigrants or newcomers we can welcome in a year in a purely scientific basis to make sure that we can. Uh, take the politics out of it and, and that we can get answers and results. And then once we have this study and this expertise, then we can make our discussions and, and, and debates on, 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 a real, um, on a real discussion with numbers. And this is what's lacking now. Everybody's having an opinion on immigration, but there's no data or there's no scientific experts or there's no, not enough analysis to make sure that we can properly discuss this issue. And this is what I'm requesting right now. I want for Quebec government to name this expert committee to make sure that we can un- uh, answer this question. How many newcomers or temporary immigrants can we have per year based on Quebec's capacity to welcome? And once we have this answer, then we can start discussing integration policy, where they're going, and et cetera. But now people are speaking without proper uh, data and knowledge. This is something we've been requesting. Um, also, additionally, we're, we're seeing that Quebec has about 22% of the population of Canada, but is receiving more than 40% of the asylum seekers. And this is a lot more than their demographic um, responsibility and burden. And we feel like we should be having positive and very inclusive discussions with uh, the newcomers, but also with other provinces to make sure that we can have a fair um, uh, that we can share fairly uh, those newcomers and uh, making sure to do so in the respect of the trauma of everyone, making sure to respect the willingness of everyone and to do so as respectfully and inclusively possible. Um, because some people are really choosing Quebec and are coming to Quebec, but other people are just coming here because the, their flight is landing in Quebec and they don't have necessarily direct attachment and they would be very happy to go to Alberta or Manitoba if we would provide them the occasion to do so. I've been working with these people in the past. Uh, I know that many of them would, would, would really much appreciate. And this is a debate that we should be having um, and that we should, should make sure to do in a positive manner and in respect to those people. And this is something I've been requesting as well uh, from Premier Lego. Mm-hmm. And if um, if such a committee is formed and proper data studied, would that be the first time that such a comprehensive sort of data study has been done about? Like, I'm wondering how come we don't already have, how come we don't know how question. many people we can have, you know? 
Well, yeah, that's a very good question. We've been debating on, on permanent immigration for a few years now. Um, people speaking about 60,000, 70,000, 80,000, depending on parties. But we've never had this proper discussion with temporary immigrants, which are now more than half a million. They're 530,000 up to the end of January, uh, December. So we, we, it's really a, I wouldn't say it's a new question, but um, it's definitely something that's not very much within the public within the public sphere, and it is something that was not properly studied. And this is a problem, and we're seeing so not only in Quebec, but in the rest of Canada, we're seeing more and more um, people raising flags as to the numbers of people we can welcome. We we saw Minister Miller, uh, Immigration Minister Miller. Uh, put a cap on the international students that we're going to receive in the next years because it's a fact. Um, it's not unlimited. We, we, need, we need to make sure that we can welcome those people properly and we need to make sure that uh, we're reasonable to those numbers. And this is uh, something we should be doing on a scientific basis and not on um, on a political manner. That's what I'm requesting. Mm -hmm. And how much of you, how much of the current situation do you think is sort of normal, inevitable with population growth? We would have come to this conversation anyway, or how, or is it really related to what happened during COVID and how much, how much things got shaken up during that time? It's difficult to say. It's a it's it's a good uh, it's a good question. I, I don't necessarily know. Or I think maybe this would have been inevitable because of our demographics and um, the lack of, of workers and the shortage of worker and how people are getting older and we're having this full debate onto with the economy, the housing crisis, and everything. I think we should we probably would have gotten there. Summer soon, but uh, probably the, the pandemic g gave it a push uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned um, working in collaboration with other mm. provinces. Is that something that's currently done um, with our current government in Quebec? Uh, is there much collaboration or sort of uh, assessment of the rest of the country when it comes to our immigration policy? Or is this a new, new sort of thing we're having to look at? Well, obviously, Quebec has um, a lot of, of uh, powers with regards to its immigration. Quebec can select uh, their economic migrants, and there's a lot of um, powers that Quebec has within the 1991 Quebec-Canada uh, agreement with immigration. Um, but, but not everything is covered within those agreements, and uh, it was not necessarily discussed or covered that if Quebec receive a lot more asylum seekers then it's demographic uh, weight then that some uh, mechanism would be put in place because we never had such an influx in such a, a situation so um it, it's something relatively new however um i think it's something that we should be quite open uh, to see to do and to assess but we have to do it in a and again that's very important for me on, on a very um inclusive and respectful manner because asylum seekers are coming from everywhere uh, fleeing war and many of them are having trauma and are having extremely traumatic experience that they're, they've been fearing and i want to make sure that once they come here and request safety and and, and and protection that that they don't feel like this is um some place that they don't 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 feel welcome so Let's make sure that when we put those things in process and that we can share 
um, the distribution or where they're going. Let's make sure that we do it uh, the most positive, inclusive, and and willing uh, as willing as possible, or as uh, so that they're very much integrated into the decision. Well, that's all my questions. Is there anything I haven't mentioned about this sort of particular moment in the immigration conversation we're having that you'd like to mention? I mean, I, I would say that, I mean, some parties are calling for immigration reduction. However, they are failing to this day to tell us who they would reduce, what category, and how they would do it. And I, I would request uh, to those people that are that are requesting and are putting forward measures to reduce permanent and temporary immigrations to directly be um, more detailed and more specific and in, in and to tell us, for sh okay, well, if that's your position, can you please explain to Quebecers uh, what's that going to mean and how many of them do you feel are, are, are too many? And what field is this international students that you're going to cut? Is it uh, workers that are in the health system? Is it workers in the public sphere? Uh, because it's very easy to just uh, go in the media and say, I want to reduce immigration. But then if you're not saying to anyone how you're going to do it and who's going to be impacted and in what sphere, then you're... Your proposition is not complete, and I feel that that's not reasonable. Pansy, Ani, bonjour, hello. This is composer Andrew Balfour inviting you to experience Ispichiwin, a musical journey bridging cultures and perspectives. It is both a personal journey and evocative testament to the transformative power of music. This recording features Calgary's luminous voices with the incredible Jessica McMahon and Walter McDonald Whitebear on flutes. It is my hope that this album deepens our understanding of Indigenous storytelling. Ispichiwin is available now wherever you listen to music. Dust off your boots, pour some sweet tea, and tune in to the freshest of folk, roots, indie, and more, along with some favorites of the past. The best of old and new meet together in The Alley every Friday at 11 a.m. only on CJLO 1690 a.m. to CJLO 1690 AM broadcasting out of NDG. This brings us to the end of our news roundup for the week. Um, next week. Another one done. Yeah. Next week we're changing time slots. Thursday. Thursday's 9 AM. That's our new, uh, new home. Yep. Uh, but do tune in uh, Fridays at 9 AM for the get up. Uh, the uh, Laura and Julia, our hosts are cooking up something, some special stuff. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, they're, the, they're wonderful journalists. 
Yeah, it's uh, cool yeah. people. Cool yeah. people. Cool stuff going on at uh, the campus here, and news and media and fun stuff as the year picks up. A uh, couple of community things. Just a reminder that it's Muslim uh, Awareness Week, and if you want to see the calendar of all the events over the next week, you can go to ssm-maw.com. Uh, disco skating. Disco skating. <laughs> Park NDG, I think it's a five. Yeah. Uh, I can't skate to save my life. But me neither, I but... I think other people should go and enjoy it. It looks really popular on Facebook. It's like nearly a thousand people. Yeah, people well, People need things to go do with their kids in the winter, and I think this is a good thing to maybe go do yeah. it with your kids in the winter. And today they might be able to skate from their house to the park <laughs> yeah it's uh, wow the, yeah the ice oh my god yeah be careful out there uh and a reminder about frequency frequencynews.ca that's our local journalism initiative sort of home site with all the journalists in the lji uh across canada doing community news rural news uh underrepresented uh stories in uh in these lji uh uh, works you can go to frequencynews.ca and our stuff is in the uh, Quebec section but uh, I encourage you to check out stuff from across the country um, and there's also a podcast yeah that's right uh, viewpoints so you can listen to viewpoints online yeah. via frequency I'm assuming yep but also we air it on Monday so if you're um, uh, a fan of live radio as I am tune in Mondays 8 a.m. Just sounds good on a real radio. Yeah. Uh, I er like it. Every, uh, everything's better over the a.m. in my opinion. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. yeah. My preferred mode. That's the rule here. <laughs> That's y law. I, I don't <laughs> think I would have this job if I didn't say, if I didn't say like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of ra a.m. radio. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But I guess that brings us to the end of the hour. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to CJLO. You'll be able to find this show up on SoundCloud very shortly. We're also going to be posting it to our Twitter uh, and a couple other places. So check that out. Um, it's going to be on our Spotify too. So you can access it there. Stay tuned to CJLO all day long. We've got some great programming up for, coming up for you. we got like Democracy Now, Top of the Hour, The Alley after that. It's going to be a good one. And then we got Charts and Crafts. It's, it's an excited, been an exciting week at CJLO. Lots of new shows and... Uh, you know, don't stop listening, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll catch you next uh, Thursday at 9. Thursday at 9.